All right. Now are you ready for Christmas? Yeah? <laughs> you got the Christmas tree lit and everything else happening. Well, good morning once again and welcome. Uh, if I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC and welcome to Nimbus Art Center. Uh, this is a really fun month. Uh, part of our story of how we uh, are here every single week was working out with Nimbus how to uh, part, you know, do a Sunday service during their Nutcracker event. So every December, uh, they put on the ballet company. If you don't know, if you're new to this, the city, Nimbus, Arts, Nimbus is a ballet company. They've been around for several years. And, and so this facility is essentially built for them, which is really cool. And so they, everything you have behind us is not our church set. I would love to like claim that and how cool and creative we are and all these different things. But this is for the Nutcracker. And so we encourage you to attend to be part of that and, uh, and, and check that out this month. Um, so I love it. And so uh, it'll start this weekend. I believe opening weekend is coming up. And so on Sundays, we'll be here doing this. And then at 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, uh, the Nutcracker starts as well. And so we love working with them. And we've been partnering with incorporating audio and systems. And that's kind of a dream for us is that our rent money goes to support uh, the city and things that are happening and so because of your giving, that allows us to do that every week. And so uh, here we go. We're going to jump into our Christmas season. And I don't know if you're an earlier adopter or whatever, but my family, we jump right in. The day after Thanksgiving, I'm not kidding, we go and we cut down a tree uh, and we bring it home and we decorate it. And we have, you know, we have all these traditions that we just kind of begin and we just kind of can't wait and we go for it. Some of you uh, maybe your tradition is to put up a tree like the week of Christmas or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, as we engage this month, you, you know, we engage Christmas, but I want to bring us back to the, the foundation and the heart of why it's so celebrated and why we have this incredible culture around it and everything, uh, everything there. And what's interesting is while we talk about and sing the songs, it's the most wonderful time of the year uh, for many reasons. Many times it's not, <laughs> uh, or it's just complicated. It can be both. Maybe your, your work schedule, it just ramps up this time of year. Some of you are like, it never ramps down. Uh, but, you know, maybe like there's certain things that impact it. You would love to take time and enjoy it, uh, but you don't always get to, or maybe there's family and there's things that you're preparing yourself mentally for, like, or there's, there's current things happening. Like it's, it's it, it really, that's probably true for every one of us. For me, I have a really interesting history with, with Christmas because I've been working in ministry as a pastor in some way or another for the past 20 years. And, and so, you know, that means that Christmas is usually kind of a big deal. Uh, in some way, and, and I've worked at different churches in really different settings, and some I wanted to be in, and some kind of God put me there, and, and so in some situations, we would have full-on like Christmas program and insanity happening, and so it was, it was very, very, very busy, and I remember having several Christmases in a row where I had a little bit of time on Christmas Eve to run out and do Christmas shopping. Now, I was a single guy, and I didn't really plan well for that kind of stuff, but I would go to wherever they would wrap presents for me, I'm, a, I'm still to this day a terrible at wrapping. I don't know what my deal is. I can't. I try really hard. I can't. And so they wrap it for me. And, and I would do my Christmas shopping in like two hours. And like, and then I would be, always be shocked every year that everything closed early on Christmas Eve. And I'd be like, no, you know. And so that would be even more panicked. And all the, and so 
it, it just kind of represented my mindset so, so many years. And I just heard Christmas songs over and over and over and over and over again. And so there was a period of time where I felt like I needed a detox of Christmas songs. Because because the church, we had just been preparing for months ahead of time for these programs. And that was a long time ago now, several years ago. But I really want to enjoy Christmas. And so now I feel like I've got to where I, I've really got back to loving it. And I want to hear these songs and, and all those things. But, so Christmas can be complicated based on circumstances. But I, it really is the most wonderful time of year. Um, I do love gathering with friends or family and having the food and the decorations. And I think it's one of the reasons why we do what we do with my family is we've established traditions that we just love and we can't wait for. We have ornaments that come alive at night and other fun things that we do just to make it fun and special. But that doesn't go without saying that the Christmas season also brings aspects in that are challenging and even painful and can be painful. You know, being a pastor for years and just, just we just say Jersey City alone, I've lived in Jersey City now for 15 years, almost 15 years. And, and you know, we've, we've had people lose loved ones during the, the, the holiday season in, in expected and unexpected circumstances. We have others that, that, are, that, you know, you've lost loved ones in the past. And so it's, it's a, it's a bittersweet type of time that you engage in, or it could just be preparing to be with family, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes brings enough stress on its own, and you don't have to be, uh, you can be religious or non-religious and have really dysfunctional families, it hits all of us. I know pastors that have, have broken histories, and it's hard for them, it doesn't matter who you are, and so all that kind of plays in, and so maybe there's drama that you're dreading, and I don't, but it still can be Despite all that, the most wonderful time of this year. But it's tough because every year we're reminded of problems we can't solve, people we can't control, and expectations we can't meet. Sorry to remind you of that. <laughs> I don't know. Every week I'm reminded of this too. Um, but you know we kind of push it a little bit. Some things you just, you can't control the people. You can't control that family member. You know, you can't, what about, wait, what about you? <laughs> Around this time of year, I'm reminded that I'm a problem I can't solve. I'm complicated. Just ask my wife. Um, I'm the person I can't seem to control. And I have expectations others can't meet. I set expectations that I can't meet, and I'm frustrated. And so I just want to say that because it's true, but it doesn't change the message of Christmas. In fact, it reinforces it even more. It's interesting. It can be, and, and I believe it is the most wonderful time of year because, because unlike Easter, Easter is, Easter is great, but we pause for essentially a day and for maybe a week as we approach Easter to reflect on the most incredible, wonderful event in human history, which is Jesus' resurrection. So, but un so unlike that, at Christmas, our thoughts are aimed for a month. 
for an entire month, we begin to think about this, we decorate, and we celebrate that together. And we're, we're celebrating an event that stands at the center of history, when Jesus came to us. And it has the power to impact you. It has the power to impact you. And so I want to lead you in this reflection. I want to lead you and I to be reminded of that. Because it's true. It is tough. Like, if I'm honest with you, I'm tired. I got good sleep last night, so I'm feeling pretty good right now. But, believe, I mean, this is crazy to think about, but in, in, in February, March, you know, if you're a scientist, or you're, you know, you'd be like, it's earlier, but, you know, COVID hit, we hit that wall, that'll be three years this coming spring. And it's just been, it's been, it's been full on. And I don't think any of us are in any kind of a different boat. As a pastor, you know, we just survive figuring out how to do things when you can't be around people. My whole job and everything I do is about being around people. And I remember every week was like figuring out what we did for Sunday. And I was giving messages from my apartment and in a bedroom. And I had things stacked up with a tablecloth over it and a computer. And like Sean, who was with us at the time, he, he and I would ferry computers back and forth on Sunday mornings. And we just, uh, we had people, it was just crazy. And we figured that. And then 2021 was kind of getting back to that. And I didn't realize that 2021 was going to be more activated. And, and, you know, we were, it was almost like we started brand new as a church family. Just, this is all within my view, my context. And then, and then, and, and it's been incredible. And, and God has been faithful in unbelievable ways. And so coming into this year, it's just kind of a continual building. And, and I've realized this fall, I've felt more tired than I normally am. And so going into the Christmas season, just as a human, I've recognized I'm tired. Now, that's not to gain sympathy. My guess is you feel similar. Your jobs have been harder. I talk with many of you, and, and you've got amazing bosses um, who love to give you time to think and to spend on yourself. <laughs> sarcastic. If you don't know me, that's total sarcasm. And so... It's within those understanding that we engage. So I, I'm reminding of this, of this. You're like, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> but it's so important. Because um, the fact that your Christmas, this season, is not what it could and should be. Like, you know what it should be. You know what it could be. You want the time and all this. And so the fact that it's not that and that you can't fix it. And maybe that's the harder thing for us in the city it's like we, we're all about just doing it well and accomplishing things. So the fact that you can't fix that or you can't fix you is the reason that God sent his son into your world. It's the reason that we celebrate Christmas so much. It's the reason why Christmas has such an incredible foundation and depth to stand upon. It's why we have this depth of, of, of beauty and culture and songs because that is the reason that Christ came. Christmas is not just the, the, the wonderful, most wonderful time of the year because of who is with us. One of Jesus' names is God with us, Emmanuel. But it's because of who is for us. Because who is for you. 
who is fighting for you, who, who took death in your place and now seated at the right hand of the Father with the same passion, interceding on your behalf to God the Father. And that's Christ. And so it's really interesting when you go and you look at the Christmas story, we have the four Gospels, we have the four written accounts of Jesus' life. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so we have mention of the birth narrative in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke was uh, someone who was incredibly detailed, very well educated, and and so his his Christmas narrative of his story of the birth narrative is is, is the longest one. It's typically the one that we read from. But John, in his gospel, skips it entirely. Just jumps right into things. Skips the birth narrative. And so it's interesting. Why is that? Well, there's something that John emphasizes, and it's he's the one where we talk about light of the world. He really emphasizes that. It's, it's, it's really emphasized by John in several places. He wrote the Gospel of John, then he wrote three letters to the church, the early church. And so when he wrote the Gospel of John, it was actually the last one. It was later on. He, was, he would have been an old man. And John was someone who was a disciple. Of, he was an apostle, disciple. He walked with Jesus. His life was transformed, all of those things. And then launches out and as a leader of the church. So he was an old man when he sat down. But it's, I want you to see the circumstances around when he wrote this. And so he had realized that he needed to document what he had seen. And so he didn't begin with the birth narrative. It's interesting because he could have. He'd seen it all. He knew Mary. He was put in charge of, of Jesus' mother, Mary, to take care of her. He had seen everything. He had seen his, Jesus' death. He stood around with his arms around Mary. He had watched Jesus bleed to death and his, all his hope go away in that moment. But then he outran Peter to the tomb, to the empty tomb, and stuck his head inside. Not sure if he should even go in. And so he starts his gospel with the implication and the significance of Jesus' birth and his life, all those things. And he tells us why it's the most wonderful time of the year. As he does that, listen to the time in which he wrote this in. One of the most horrible times in history, it was during the Roman Empire, and he was a Jewish man. He grew up a Jew in, in Jerusalem, in the area, of, in Israel. And so he's now a Christ follower, and he watched his people, his family, his friends, all of those be destroyed by the Romans. And the Romans had built an empire based on violence and slavery. It was, you know, all of that is what allowed that to kind of to, to do what it did. And so Israel was then an enslaved nation because of this. And the Jews lived under this crazy emperor who launched the legions on Judea and Jerusalem. Now, I'm not a history buff, but I can find these things. And, and so John saw and survived unimaginable horror because of this. And it, it's crazy. He survived the Romans' legions march through Galilee, herding the Jewish zealots into the city of Jerusalem where the battle turned into a stalemate. Unable to breach the city's defenses, the Roman armies established a permanent camp just outside the city. They dug a trench 
around the circumference of its walls and building a wall as high as the city walls. And so they trapped him. Anyone caught attempting to flee the city would be captured and crucified or placed in lines or, or, or put into slavery. But most of them were crucified. Um, they'd be placed in lines on top of the dirt wall facing Jerusalem. This is crazy. As many fi as 500 crucifixions occurred in one day. Uh, this happened for seven months. They were left to starve. Right? They, 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 they're cut off. And so disease broke out, all these different things. And around August of AD 70, Titus breached the outer walls of the, in the city been fully dead. And what's interesting is Jesus predicted that would happen. He said that that was going to happen and it did. Josephus is a, is a well-known historian uh, from this time, and he claims that over a million people were killed during the siege. 97,000 were captured and enslaved. And so this was the destruction. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed Jerusalem. And it marked the end of what we would now call the Old Testament Judaism. John was right around all of that. He would have lost friends. He would have lost family members. He had watched Jesus be crucified. And then all of his friends, he was part of the early church, and he watched them be persecuted. And all, you know, like he just he he endured and saw a lot. And the only thing I can think of, like the closest thing to like it was from that place that he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote this letter, and it may be like in happening in our world today, it would be like he was in the middle of Ukraine in one of these besieged cities or something along those lines where they're enduring so much and our hearts go out to that when we see that happening, that would be close to this, but not even close. It's crazy. And so it had been as dark as it has ever been for his people and for the world. And still, John believed with, with incredible belief and faith and joy and hope. And towards the end of this gospel, he writes this. He tells us the reason he even bothered to write. This is found in John 20, verses 30 and 31. He's speaking about Christ as Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's like, there's a lot more that I could say. There's so many things to write. And he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah that he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He's like, this is the hope. You may have life. Life exists. And so where do you begin? Like he begins the gospel. Where do you begin the story of Jesus? Well, John skipped the baby. He went right straight to the message that he had seen and heard. I want you to listen. I love reading out John 1. If you've been here with me long enough, you've heard me do this before, but I love reading out John 1. It's just the beginning of the book, the beginning of the letter. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was speaking of Jesus. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus, he's establishing Jesus as part of the Trinity, of the Father, Son, and Spirit, which is so important to our faith. They're so in unity that they are one. And it means that God is in relationship and serving in the sacrificial thing, and they're unified. It's, and so it's a core part of our belief. 
because Jesus was with God. He was God in the beginning. And then listen to this. It says, in him was life. I think the literal, like, word-for-word translation, this was written in Greek, was, in him life was. Life, like, we, you, know, you and I, we've got life. And so we, we, we say that, you know, everyone has life, but he, he's acknowledging this in a different way, that life is from him. God is life. We talk about this with love. The same with things love. Any kind of love that you feel that you want and exist, it all comes from God. That's what he is. It's who he is. In a dark world, characterized by death, he's like, this is life. I see it. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all men." The baby, God came, and, you know, God came to us as a baby. It defied everything that anybody would have ever predicted or written about. Came humbly. He's like, this was different. And it was for everyone. He had friends that were zealous and they wanted the Messiah to come and destroy Jerusalem and put a kingdom in place. But Jesus came to show us that there's a much deeper problem. It wasn't just a regional thing. Jesus was light. He wasn't just light for the Jews. He came for all of us. He was light of the world. Light for all mankind. And then he makes this statement. Understanding what's happening, here's what he says. The light shines in darkness, in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it. He watched a city fall in, in a really gruesome manner. Horrible. He saw darkness that has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Filled with incredible confidence and hope. Why is that? He has seen the resurrected Jesus. He has seen that God exists. He's there. And, he gave, and that's why the early church was, is, is you see the life that they had. It's amazing. And this is why, and we can just put, put that slide back up. That verse, verse 5. It's why the message of Christmas is so compelling. This is it. That there's, there's darkness in the world. Sin has been brought in. We brought that in. We walked away from God. We walked away from that light. We walked away from life and love. And it brought in death into our world and existence. And we experienced that and that darkness. But this is why the message of Christmas is so compelling. Now, yeah, we're, I'm overcome by darkness many times. I'm overwhelmed personally. My own decisions, like I talked about, my own thing. I can't get past myself. I can't fix me. And so there are times where I feel that. Many times I am overwhelmed, overcome by it. And it's because I've taken my eyes off Christ. I've forgotten the light that I have in him. No matter the circumstances, light is here and darkness has not and will not overcome it. I love it. John's writing in, his, in, the, in the gospel here, we read through it, it recenters us, it reminds us of our hope. Reminds us. Despite all that he had seen and all that he had lost, he concludes that the darkness in the world cannot seem 
will never put out this light. And they saw these, you know, Caesar came and God, Tiberius, Nero. Nero really went after the early church. He eventually took his own life in fear. It was just chaos in the world. And John knew with certainty, even as he faced the end of his days, that the light that began, that lit in that manger when Jesus was born, will continue to burn bright with light that was and is the light of all men now. When you read the Apostle Paul, you read his writings, the same confidence, the same confidence. It's incredible. In him was light, and the light is all men see. And so for us, it's the same. We need to be reminded of this hope that we have. That Christ can be that light in your life, in your family. It doesn't mean that we're going to fix it all. There's a lot of things I want to fix. I'm a fixer. And it doesn't end. And I think that, you know, I'm always working on myself and I'm learning to say... Stand in grace. So when it comes to Christmas this night, I want to recenter us today and say this is the light that we celebrate. And that we can always go to him. As we experience the complication and the unmet expectations, as we miss loved ones, as we're reminded of the darkness, we have plenty of things to come on the news this afternoon, this, you know, this week, that will remind us of this. When, when those we love remind us of those we miss, when getting some of what we want, this is crazy, reminds us that there are some things we'll never get. <laughs> like even when we get you what you want, you still want other things. We're reminded that there is life in light that penetrates the dark, darkest of the darkest times. Jesus is life in light. And the other amazing thing is, I talked. To, I said earlier, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He not only has penetrated that, but he is unafraid of the darkest places, because he's gone there for us. He longs to come alongside you in those times. And it is there that you find your hope. It is in Christ. We find our hope. So, how can you engage Christ this season? I'm not going to say any cliche phrases. How can you engage Him as your hope? Not some kind of ritual. I mean, it's good to be in rhythm. And so we want to establish rhythms. But how can you go to him as your father, your savior, as all those things? I can't change your circumstances. And God, you may ask for God to take them away, but he may not. But you can go to him as your light and strength. We always, 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 we always have this hope 
You're not always going to feel it, but you can always go to Him. So how do we find an experience? Well, we want to engage this relationship with Christ. And so I just want you to think about as you start December, it's December 4th, and if you forget and you experience it and you feel overwhelmed, you get to one of those moments, just, be, just remind yourself that you can go to Him. And so is there a daily thing that you can do? Maybe you read a scripture and you pray. You can ask us and engage us. We'd love to give you tools and resources, but there is a daily habit where you come to Him and you can give Him these burdens, but you need to seek His beauty and His strength. And this is what John was pointing us to. He's like, He is the one that centers us. He's the one that gives you meaning. He's the one that gives you purpose above everything else that you will pursue. So how can you bring him into your daily or weekly rhythms? And we can bring that to be part of Christmas together. And then I want to encourage you to be part of his church family. So we have three Christmas services. We have today, the 11th, a week from today, and then the 18th. And then we take off the very next Sunday's Christmas. We will not be here. We'll be at family wherever we may be. And so over the next month, we want you to engage with us here, be part of your church family. But you can join us in other different ways. Some of you are in dinner groups. We want you to celebrate with your groups. We're doing Connect Week this week. We're doing things to connect together. And so next, next week, we're serving at the sharing place. These are opportunities for you to be part of a church family. And that's important be with the body of Christ. How can you establish a rhythm with Christ, engage that relationship, to be part of a church family? And maybe for some of you this Christmas season, it's finding faith. Or maybe starting a journey towards faith. It can be the most wonderful time of the year. That's the incredible foundation that we have. This amazing hope, that line, let me put this, this slide up. Jesus is the life. Jesus is life and light that overcomes the dark. He is the only one that can do this in our hearts, in our lives, and with others. Let's engage this month together with an eternal hope and a foundation. We need Him. We are tired. <laughs> Life is hard, the world is dark, but there is hope and light happening. We've heard that with the stories of New City Kids. It's easy for us to think that nothing's happening, but it's not true. And that's why we lean in and engage. You're invited to join us this month. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the hope that we have in you. I thank you for these incredible words that we have that are not forgotten, but are written in history for the thousands of people who gave up lives to, to protect these words, these documents, these letters. God, you have come before us, and we know with confidence, just like John had, that you are continuing this story. That no matter the circumstances, we have light, life, hope, and I pray that we would experience the beauty and the strength that you alone bring to our hearts this Christmas season. I pray that we would experience it. I ask this 
in your name, in Jesus' name.